Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the GM Shuffle. Horrible draft. I don't know. Belichick's lost his touch. You better get him out of there. He doesn't know what he's doing. You've never been in a draft room before. You've never put a team together before, and you're grading him. That would be like me going to Penn Hospital tomorrow and starting grading neurosurgeons. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us on the ones and twos, like he is each and every episode. And make sure to tweet at us. We want to hear from you guys at M Lombardi NFLs, where you can find Michael at Femi Abebefe, is where you can find me. Michael, what a Sunday it was. Another one, entertaining football, week number six. We're almost in the books. We got one more game tonight, but we got to talk about what we saw yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, I mean, uh, stunners, some real stunners. I mean, God darn. I mean, the betting market was all over the place. The doggies were barking yesterday, left mm-hmm. and right. And, you know, who could have predicted that was going to happen? But look, I, I think there's a lot of bad football going on out there. I really do. It's a lot of bad football. And we're only in week six. So the tackling looked like shit. You know, there wasn't a lot of fundamentals going on. I mean, guys are dropping passes and The teams that are well-coached, even if they don't do something great in the game, they seem to be the ones that do it. Every week, Femi, I don't know about you, but I have a list of people that I – like, there's no way I'm betting Washington or recommending (laughs) Washington or Chicago. You could add Arizona to that list now. There's no way I'm doing that ever again. You could – those three teams, I don't give a shit if they're getting 80 points in a game. I'm not playing them. I won some money yesterday betting against Arizona, so we'll get to that game later on. But let's start, Michael, with the Titanic clash that everyone was talking about. We were all excited for it heading into Sunday. Bills and the Chiefs. Buffalo gets the 24-20 win. Another fun game in this chapter of what's probably going to be a decade-plus-long rivalry between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. This game had everything. I was writing it down in my notes when I was thinking back, reflecting on the game. QB play, atmosphere, high stakes, bad officiating, entertaining finish. (laughs) It had all the elements, Michael, of what you want to see from an NFL Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. And I was actually... Surprise. I didn't think Buffalo played their A game. I, I didn't think mm-hmm. they brought their A game with them offensively. I thought Allen was, even though his numbers were great, I didn't think they were great. I, I thought that that was interesting how determined they were to run the ball. I mean, Singletary had 17 carries in the game. And, you know, of course, Josh had 12, but he only averaged 2 7 a carry. I, I thought to me, 
they they were not quite in full rhythm, and yet they were still able to go in there and win the game. So hats off to them, and they made the plays in the fourth quarter when it came down to do it. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I think they're going to be a really hard out. There's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt they're going to be a hard out. And Kansas City, you know, for not having explosive plays, they were still able to to make plays. Smith-Schuster came out of somewhere. You know, he finally mm-hmm. made a big play for them, but – I didn't think, Femi, that that Kansas, that Buffalo played their A game and still won. That's what I tweeted yesterday. I said the Bills probably played their B minus game, and they were able to go in there, win the game, and cover it. And as well, like Buffalo, and we talked about it last Thursday on the podcast and previewing the game. And I said that the Bills, I think, are clearly the best team in football, and that showed. I thought on Sunday. Uh, do you agree with me that Buffalo's head and yeah. shoulders better than everyone else in the league? Well, I think Buffalo has all three phases going for him. People could argue Philly's undefeated, but I think what we saw, we'll get to Philly in a minute, but Mm -hmm. Philly offensively the last two weeks have not been in great rhythm against Arizona and against Dallas. I mean, they've won games the last two weeks with their defense, which has been very good. But I'm with you. I think Buffalo has all the elements running. Von Miller's ability to rush really gives them dimension, and they're well-coached defensively. The Milano, if he stays healthy, he makes a ton of plays. I mean, look, they make they made Mahomes work for his money last year. I mean, he was he did it. I mean, I know he turned the ball over in the fourth quarter, but it was really kind of impressive. I mean, you know, they had ten drives in the game, and they had, you know we 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 were talking earlier in the week who would have three punts, and the team that <laughs> lost is the team that had three punts, and that was the Chiefs. And so, you know, I think ultimately these games come down to the fourth quarter, right? Buffalo mm-hmm. had twenty four plays in the fourth quarter. They had uh, eight first downs, and they scored a touchdown. Kansas City had 12 plays in the fourth quarter. You know, they kicked the field goal, and they turned it over. There's the game right there. Josh Allen, 27 of 40, 329 passing yards, three touchdowns. He is now the favorite over at DraftKings to be the MVP. He's been the favorite since the summertime, but now it's really strong. Plus 160 to win league's most valuable player. But I also think, Michael, that we have to give a little credit to Sean McDermott and that coaching staff and their decision to go for it on fourth and inches on their own 33-yard line when they were trailing 20-17. to 17. They had all three timeouts. They could have easily punted the football and tried to rely on that defense to get the football back, but they went ahead and used Josh Allen, who's as big as anybody on the field other than Chris Jones, and they did the QB sneak. They were able, able to uh, go and score the touchdown and take the lead for good there. So I thought that decision, while risky, ended up uh, working out there for the Buffalo Bills. And it was the only fourth down they converted in the game. They were one for three on fourth down in the game. And so, yeah, I get you. You know what I think to me, if I were a coach in the league, what I would do is I would line up. Do you remember when Refrigerator Prairie was doing, was mm-hmm. was getting the ball and jump? Like, I would take my biggest defensive lineman, all right, and I would line them up, you know, offset to the back, and I would make them stand there. And as soon as the back got the ball and started to go to the line, I would have that guy just ram his back forward. <laughs> Like, you know, I thought that was illegal. You weren't allowed to embed the runner, move it like rugby. But everybody's doing it now. Like, I would definitely do that. I would get the biggest guy I have and just line up and just let the ball go to the halfback and then let everybody push him back. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's just to me is like, how do you stop a 6'5", 250-pound man from getting one inch? You know, now, I mean, New England did it against Brissett. Brissett's a big guy. They did it against him. So, uh, but it's hard. It's hard, and I think you're right. I think, but you know, I bitch about fourth down. I thought that was the right fourth down call because mm-hmm. in the context of the game, Femi, I thought the flow, it had to go because Kansas City, even though, you know, they were not, no, they had six explosive plays in the game. 
two over 40. So their offense was a little bit more dynamic. But I didn't think that, you know, you, you they were moving the ball and eating clock as they were going down there, too. So you, you were not going to get the ball back. I just saw this note come across, and it said Josh Allen was at 9 of 10 with 204 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions on passes of 15-plus air yards against the Chiefs yesterday, a perfect passer rating of 158.3. It's remarkable. It's <laughs> remarkable for the guy that was so inaccurate. Like, it just defies logic. Yeah. Like, it just – to me, I, I admit I, I was wrong on Josh Allen's Same. accuracy. There's no Same. doubt. But to me, where he's come from in terms of the improvement level, it isn't just like, you know, I always talk about the Brett Favre line, throw it through the door, hit the key, hit the doorknob or throw it through the keyhole. Like when a guy's really inaccurate like he was, okay, great. He'll throw he'll hit the he'll hit the doorknob. This son of a bitch is throwing it through the keyhole even better. <laughs> Like, that touchdown throw he made was incredible at the back corner of the end zone. It was incredible. What's interesting, though, because I talked about this last week about how I'm a little shaky on Kansas City, and I want to get your opinion on it now that we've seen them go up against the Buffalo Bills. Do you think the Chiefs are closer to the Bills, or are they closer to the rest of the pack in the AFC? Well, I think as long as they got Mahomes, they're closer to the Bills, right? Okay. I do think that. I mean, I think you could say if you're the Chargers or the Raiders who had the Chiefs beat there, right? Both of them, yeah. That you know, they, they could have beaten them easily there. That, you know, they're they're kind of close to the Raiders and the Chargers. But at the end of the day, with Mahomes, at the when you go through all these games, who makes the plays in the fourth quarter? Who does the things when it's the hardest? And as long as the Chiefs have Mahomes, I, I don't think they're gonna you can count them out. I don't think you can count them out. I think they're just so good there. And defensively, I, I think they'll get better as the year goes on. But, I mean, Andy Reid is such a good coach in terms of how he manages the game. I thought he did a great job in that game. Look, for you know, he only ran the ball 18 times in the game. And I think if you're going to play Buffalo, right, if you're going to go play Buffalo, you got to find a way to keep the ball away from him. I mean, he had the ball 28 minutes. Buffalo had it 31. I think if you're playing Buffalo, you got to have the ball 34 minutes and you got to hope he only has a 26. That seems to be the formula to beat the Buffalo Bills, but they improved to 5 and 1 heading into the bye week and like we've talked about on this podcast for quite some time, the best team in the NFL. Michael, the Meadowlands, we saw the New York Giants. How about this team, man? This team, they're they're, they're making us eat our words here. They're putting me to, to sleep well, here because Coming from behind I mean, to beat look, the Baltimore the, Ravens. The, the, I mean, this is another game that they win in the fourth quarter. I mean, give them credit. I, I mean, the, when you go through their stat sheet, you say at the end of the at, at, on Monday morning when I go through all these game books to get ready for the show, and mm -hmm. I look at them and I and I look at Baltimore, I look at this stat sheet and I say, holy shit, they averaged three point eight <laughs> yards per play. Yes. How did they win? How did they win a game? You know and. Give them credit. They are, I would say, the football giants are very timely. They have timely offense. They're behind 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter with 12 minutes to go, and they mount their best drive of the day. And, mm. give, and they don't play outside their comfort zone. Give Daniel Jones credit. He was sacked four times. You know, he faced, I, I think he was in third down. He was in 14 third downs, which I think you wanted to have. He converted 50% of them. So, I mean, they are timely. They are very timely. And in Baltimore, which to me, let another one slip away. Yeah. You know, they let another one slip away. And, you know, they got a chance at 20 to 17 to take the game over. They get a first down at midfield. All they got to do is get it into range to get it to kick a field goal or you keep eating clock. 
bad snap, bad decision, turnover. I mean, you know, look, you know, they won the Giants won the game in the fourth quarter. They had 20 plays, eight first downs, scored 14 points. I want to talk about the Giants, but let's stick here with the Ravens because another fourth quarter lead that they blow, they have now been outscored, Michael, a negative 42-point differential in the fourth quarter this season. What is going on with this team? Because we talked about it, like they're not getting pressure at times, but now they're a little bit healthier in the secondary. They should be healthier up front. Like, Why does this team continue to blow leads, double-digit leads, in the last 15 minutes? I think when the pressure's on, like playoff time, when you've got to throw the ball or you've got to make a play, then they just can't do it. I mean, look, when you're playing Baltimore, it's like you're playing Air Force or you're playing Navy or you're playing Army, right? And so when the game's on the line, you have to be really good with your execution. And they haven't been. They have not been. I mean, they let this lead slip away. You know, they're one for three in the red zone. They're 0 for one on goal to go. I mean, the whole thing about running this thing and the whole thing about playing the football giants is you gotta you gotta be able to make them try to play catch up. And they have. And so every time they answer you on a catch up, you gotta come back because you gotta believe that there's no way they could put two drives together. They did. They proved us all wrong. And credit to them. But to me, I think that's what happens to Baltimore. When you know they gotta run it, when you know they gotta throw it, they haven't been able to do it. And that's the mark of a good team. That's the mark of a team that you know. That's Teams that win in the fourth quarter end up having so much more confidence. And give the Giants credit. I mean, I've been crapping on them. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. I think Sir, Sir Don Martindale deserves a head coaching job for what he's done. I mean, seriously. I mean, what more does a guy have to do as an assistant coach to prove he doesn't deserve a head coach, head coaching job? He's experienced. He's been around great programs. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean – and he's keeping this team afloat. And the, and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, has done a remarkable job calling plays. And Dayball, who's coach of the year candidate, certainly has done a great job of not playing outside their comfort zone. Their coaching staff has been terrific. Brian Dayball, plus 450, now to be coach of the year over at DraftKings, only behind Nick Sirianni as this it, giant it, story it, continues it, to build. It proves the point. When I was at the Raiders and I went over to Cal, and I sat down with a stat professor and I said, hey, help me understand, like, you know, back in the back in the 60s when Al was really dominating football, it was all about the players, right? It was all about the players. Who had better players? The schemes were pretty much the same, you mm-hmm. know? And as we morphed into this, what we are today, it's really become about the coaches. It, it really, it's about players too. Don't get me wrong. It's a player's league. But it's who's, co- how we're coaching and managing the game. And, I think there's certain value that you have to bring to the table. That's why I rank the coaching staffs after every game. You have to. And the New York football giants have done an incredible job. I mean, if you flip it, if you flip it, if Martindale's coaching the defense against Daniel Jones, oh. what do you think that <laughs> outcome's going to be? About three or four fumbles from Daniel Jones in the pocket, I think. He had one at the end of the half. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, you can't minimize this coaching. You know, you can't. And, you can mess up on evaluating coaches too. Like, there's some coaches you got to scratch off your list. We'll get to that later. 
I thought it was a masterpiece from Sir Wink Martindale and the revenge spot going up against the Ravens. Get this, Michael, the stat. And he said that he blitzed Lamar Jackson on 69.4% of his dropbacks. That is just Wink Martindale to a T right there. He stayed true to what he does, despite Lamar sometimes being really good against the blitz. If you break contain, then it can get real dangerous. But Wink Martindale, he didn't flinch. And this Giants team, while we mentioned the box score, 3.9 yards per play, do you think that this is sustainable? Like, are, are they able to continue this going forward? Because the schedule isn't very difficult for any of the NFC East teams, them included, sitting at 5-1. and one. I mean, look, they could, they, if they play this style, can they beat a really good offense? I doubt that. Could they beat Philly? No. But, the, the, look, they gave up 411. I mean, it goes and proves the point. They gave up 421 yards yesterday, right? Yards don't matter. Yards don't matter. It's how, who makes the plays at the critical time. And who's timely? I mean, the Giants are timely. You know, they got behind against Green Bay. They were timely coming back. They got behind against the the, the Baltimore Colts, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. They were timely coming back. I mean, the, they couldn't do it against the Cowboys, but for the most part, I mean, they've been able to be very timely with their offensive effectiveness, and you got to give them credit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, could they go down to Jacksonville this week and lose? It wouldn't shock me. Do I think they're a great team? No. But they're playing a great style, and every time you win, you gain more confidence. It seems to be confidence gaining with their roommates as well, the New York Jets, who went to Lambeau Field. I don't think oh many people God. expected this. Are we ready dominating. for this? Because I got or, big daddy texts all we need over it. the place here. We need it because they dominated the Green Bay Packers 27-10. to 10. I was going to ask you, how's Big Daddy holding up? How was he holding big up daddy yesterday? Wants- <laughs> he wants everybody fired, and at the minimum, Mike, ba- Mike, Mike Barry should be fired today. I mean, let me get it to you. I mean, it was it was <laughs> it was a onslaught from the time the ball was ca- at least. You know how long have I been saying they're poorly coached? You know we're now going to enter the love air. What, he wanted, he asked me a question. What was worse, Green Bay giving up twenty seven to the Jets or only scoring ten points? I said actually losing is worth. Now, this is a game for the ages. I mean, we we experienced something that I don't think very few people will really understand. What we, we have experienced the LaFleur family offensive showdown. Okay? <laughs> we did. We experienced it. Both teams got 278 yards. Brotherly love. Mm-hmm. Even it out, right? Keep it Both in the family. Both teams gained 270 yards. Both teams were a disaster on third down. The Jets being the worst, one for 11 on third down. Imagine winning a game one for 11. Now, 17. the Packers weren't much better. They're four for 16 on third down, right? They were one for four on fourth down. LaFuck goes for it at, at mid, like in, in the Jet territory on fourth down, and Big Daddy was about ready to explode his head. He was about ready to kill somebody. I mean, like it was just one bad offensive play after another. And this game, to me, the Packers' execution, their ability to catch the ball was so bad. Give the Jets credit. Their front dominated them. Their, their front dominated them. And Aaron Rodgers, to me, he looked like, I said this to you off air, Aaron Rodgers looked to me like Glenn Fry looked when he wanted to break up the Eagles. Like, I've had enough of this shit with these guys. I've had enough of this shit. I'm getting out of this band right now. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. Like, And it wouldn't surprise me after this year, the way they're going, if he just wouldn't walk away. Why wow. don't they change? Why don't they change off what they're doing offensively? Like, why don't you get in some two-back? Why don't you try to run some things to help the quarterback out? You don't have the same players you once had. You're running the same offense if, if you still have Devontae Adams. To me, that shows you you have no ability to adjust as a coach. I mean, you know, we could talk about Matt LaFleur's 10-0 and after a loss. 
Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, he's ten. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is ten and zero. <laughs> Can this offense yeah. be fixed? Do you think? I mean, they, they averaged four yards per play yesterday against, and then the Jets. The Jets have a lot of good players because they've been drafting high in the draft. So this team is really talented. They're young, but they're really talented. I mean, hello, Quinn and Williams. My goodness, what he did yesterday. But can this Packers offense be fixed? You know, I mean, they don't play with very much toughness. They play like, you know, they don't play. How about LaFleur? When LaFleur called the teams together, Big Daddy sends me a text. He says, they're, now he's no longer just camping. Or, now he's no longer fan engagement <laughs> person. He's also going to rally the team up. I mean, it's unbelievable. Right, I mean, like, I don't think it can unless they change what they do. Look, every year you have to evaluate where you are as a staff, as a team. Right, you just can't plug and fix players. You had Devontae Adams before, so now you don't have him. So, are you going to continue to be offset back and do this? Or are you going to do some different things to help out your offense? I don't know. I mean, they can't make explosive plays, right? Mm-hmm. They can't do that. He, I mean, Aaron Rodgers had 17 incomplete passes in the game. I mean, think about that. I mean, Zach is a uh, Zach uh, the Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson. He only he only had ten completed passes in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, this wasn't like the Jets were dominant here. You know, it was that that the Packers just gave them the game. And you could say, well, we hired Rich Basacci to fix our special teams. That doesn't matter who you hire as a special teams coach when the head coach could give a shit about special teams. You know, the personal protector misses the assignment on the on the on the punt. So, like, you talk about a poorly coached team, and you could say what you want. I mean, I think they're just not – they're not in sync because they don't know who they are. They're trying to be something they're not in Green Bay. I mean, that's how they lost the divisional round playoff game last year with the blocked punt that ended up resulting in a 49ers touchdown. <laughs> Matt LaFleur being Let the me d- say this. At Big Daddy at 140 wrote, Big, Green Bay will lose this game. He, he's so mad at Gutekus. He 40 to, minutes I mean, in. Forty minutes in, he he wants to know why Gudikis won't go out and get a get a get a get a wide receiver. You know, I mean, he's just and so this one is. Think about this: Lasarge, Green Bay's number one receiver. He said, "Laugh all you want, Joe Barry needs to be fired today," <laughs> and and the whole staff blows. They're getting beat all day long. This is a this the love fest. It's he calls Jordan Love. The love fest is about to begin. Oh no, <laughs> we don't need to see that. Uh, but real quick, Michael, because we were making fun of this guy early on in the season, but Robert Sala told us that he was keeping receipts. His Jets now four and two. Do we need to send an apology letter to to East Rutherford out there for our guy Robert Sala? I, I will give them credit. They're playing better. I never thought as they've what they've done a good job of is they haven't let the quarterback beat them. I mean, Zach Wilson threw two picks against Pittsburgh. He hasn't thrown one since. You know, and they've run the football. He only had 10 completions in the game. They've kind of played without the offensive line. Still wasn't very good, you know, and yet they were able to find a way. Their defensive front dominated the game. They did. And, you know, for LaFleur being able to practice against this scheme his whole life, you would think he would have better play designs. I mean, they couldn't really muster anything. I mean, they couldn't get anything. And, and Rodgers, a lot of times, he got sacked four times in the game. He's holding the ball. He's holding the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, because nobody's open. There's nowhere to go. I mean, this offense, as Rodgers said after the game, is broken. Ahmad Sauce Gardner has been terrific for the New York Jets. That He's a fantastic young cornerback. And that roster is starting to come together with all that talented uh 
acquisitions that they've made for those guys picking up pretty high in the draft. But, Michael, let's take our first break. We're going to get to the news of the day from this morning. Texans parting those ways with their executive vice president, Jack Easterby. But first, let's take a break, and we'll get to more of Sunday's slate here on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, Michael, Sunday night football in the city of brotherly love saw the Philadelphia Eagles improve to 6-0, and the lone unbeaten team in the NFL, my Dallas Cowboys, suffering the loss, moving to 4-2 and in third place in the NFC East. But what did you make of the Eagles' performance last night? The second quarter Eagles once again shining through with 20 points in the second period. Well, I mean, it's the first time that Cooper Rush played like a backup quarterback, right? And he turned the ball over in the second quarter. He turned the ball over at the end of the game. And you know they once he did that, it it opened the door for the cow for the Eagles to build that lead, and then it really put them in a hard spot. Set, you know it's twenty to three at the half. They got that drive going at the end of the half that I thought was good. But to me, Dallas, I thought Dallas did a good job of adjusting to the Eagle offense. I thought they mm-hmm. the Eagles didn't win this game because of their offense. They won this game because of their defense, and their defense played really well, and they were able to make critical plays when they had to make it and. You know, they didn't get a sack in the game. Think about this. The Eagles' defense dominated this game. They had no sacks and no tackles for losses. Okay? Think about that. And they were able to really win the game. And and part of it was because Dallas had, t- what, uh, the great Rick Goslin who keeps track of referees. I think John Hussey is like one of the greatest home team referees. <laughs> the Eagles had two penalties in the game for, I think, f- 15 yards. Two for 10. Two for 10. And the Cowboys had 10 for 73, 7 for 72. I mean, a lot of imbalance there. But I'm not saying that went to win. I thought I thought that the Eagle defense was sensational. They made the Cowboys play outside of what they wanted to do. And once they did that, then it became a real issue, you know. And they had a chance in the fourth quarter. I mean, they ran 30 plays in the fourth quarter. You know, they had 11 mm-hmm. first downs. They, they had a touchdown and then the interception. And they missed a field goal that kind of would have made it a one-score game. So, you know, look, credit Philadelphia for, for, being a, for being a really well-balanced team. But the Cowboys, I think they leave Philadelphia with a sense of confidence. They got Dak Prescott coming back. That if they can keep playing at this level within the framework and the style with more in the passing game and not the three turnovers, they can beat anybody. 
I completely agree with you there. They got to continue to play just just because Dak is coming back doesn't mean you need to go to five wide and sitting in empty for the entire game. I think you continue to play with this kind of structured offense with those young tight ends that look pretty good. But I thought the game honestly was lost in the on the sequence that the Cowboys had where CeeDee Lamb looked like he had stretched over for the first down and yeah. the officiating crew marked the ball like a yard and a half back. Instead of challenging it, McCarthy runs and hurries up and says, all right, we're going to go for it here. They end up not getting the first down. And then when you come back from the commercial break, and it clearly shows that CeeDee Lamb had the first down. And they've, they've just taken a, a deep breath. And we're like, all right, let's challenge this. Let's get the first down. Let's continue to sustain this drive. The game just got away from the coaching staff, I thought, early on. Now, to your credit, like you pointed out, they made the adjustments in the second half, able to slow this Eagles offense down and stuff. But I thought that sequence there, because the Eagles were able to turn that into more points, that's kind of where this game was lost and they were playing from behind uh, after that point. Yeah, I mean they, that's when they got the ball, and they and the Eagles the Eagles got the ball and downs there. They went four play, they went four plays, one yard, and they kicked the field goal, mm-hmm. and, and that field goal really kind of changed it a little bit. I agree with you. I hate this play fast, but don't play smart. You know, like yeah. and you could see it like the, the the you could see the the woman at the top that that was the the line judge on the top and the guy on the bottom. They were they didn't have it connected. And so to me, you would have been better off just like you said, taking that time out. And then the next drive, you get the ball, you throw an interception and you give him another three points. You know what I mean? So not only do you have two interceptions in the quarter, you lose the ball on downs. And so now those three, those three things end up with, end up with touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal. That's the second quarter. That is the second quarter of the game. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal. Game over. What I mean, that, that's how you lose games. I yeah. mean, I, I'm not saying that this decision, but when you when you turn the ball over and you do that, you know you, you're not playing within your comfort zone. And give the Eagles credit for doing it. I mean, the Eagles were able to to take the game over, and then in the fourth quarter, the Eagles had the ball 11 minutes. You know, they had they were had I think they ran 21 plays. They had eight first downs, and they and they had a touchdown. To me. That's what good teams do. Good teams take over the game in the fourth quarter. When the other team's starting to make a little bit of a comeback, they took it over and, 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 and put the game away. Why do you think the Eagles' offense struggles in the second half? I think people get a, I think it's hard to play. Now, I talked Baltimore's, the Air Force, and Navy, and, and, and Army. So is Philadelphia. Like, all this window dressing about all this, it's all on the run game. It's all based on Hurts being a, a, another runner. It's the single wing. And once you get a handle on it, and once you figure out how you want to play it, and you figure out the speed of the game, right? You figure out the speed of the game, then it becomes then it becomes a little bit different. I mean, Dallas, the the Eagles made two big plays of the game: twenty-four yarder and a twenty-two yarder. That's it. The Dallas Cowboys only made two two big plays: twenty-two and twenty-four, twenty-two and twenty twenty-one. That's all they made. So, but where the Eagles are so good is their execution. They had 54 rushes and completions. They only had 10 incomplete passes in the game, right? They didn't turn the ball over. It's a hard thing to get ready for. You, you can't really prepare for it until you see it, and then you kind of figure, okay, here's how I want to play it. And the quarterback running is more dangerous than throwing. Like, I don't know, you know, I know that they're really good offensively, but they're married to the system. They are married to the system. They can't leave this system. Eagles are 6-0 and heading to the bye week. And looking at their schedule, Michael, it's not very difficult. Week 8, 
hosting the Steelers, then at Texans, hosting the Commanders, at the Colts, hosting the Packers, hosting the Titans, at the Giants, at the Bears, at the Cowboys, hosting the Saints, then hosting the Giants. When do you think this Eagle team suffers their first loss? Well, I mean, look, there's a couple there. I think it's going to have to be on the road. I mean, Indianapolis could could get them just because of the crowd noise and how they play their mm-hmm. their, their style of defense. It's a certain you got to be fast on defense to play them, right? You got to be fast on defense to play them. You got to tackle really well, you know, because their guys the, the yards after the catch are deadly, and they make plays. So, look, I, I think the Eagles will take once the Eagles secure home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which they probably will. They'll take their foot off the gas. I don't think they're worried about going undefeated. But I think it's going to take a certain style of defense, San Francisco style of defense. You know, could Tennessee give them trouble? Nah, I don't know. But Tennessee could control the ball and keep them off the field. You know, like like what happened in this game was really at the end of the day, you know, that fourth quarter having the ball almost 12 minutes wins the game for you. You can't get the ball back from them because they're so good on those short yardage third down. I'm handing it off. I'm not handing it off. You know, fullback at the, the, the flat receiver. It's good. They they do it really well. And the offensive line coach is a good coach, and the line play well. Now, last night, Lance Johnson got hurt. I don't know what happened to him, yeah. but uh, I don't know how long that injury is going to be. Yeah, I think it was in the, the neurotrauma expert, I think, was talking to him, so I believe it was probably a head injury would be my guess. So hopefully he's good to go after a couple of weeks now that they're heading into the bye week there. But there it was a noticeable difference when Lane Johnson left the mm-hmm. game there. Yeah, they no were doubt. unable to control the line of scrimmage like they typically were. Then Parsons started to kind of pick on Jack Driscoll. Uh, Michael, let's keep it moving here. The Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champions, they've been kind of flying under the radar. They improved to 3-3 three and three yesterday, being the Saints 30-26. to 26. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase going back to the Superdome where they won a national title, showing out once again as they uh, went ahead and got the dub on the, victor, uh, on, on the road, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it's finally, you know, again, they, they played well in the fourth quarter. They played well in the second half, Cincinnati. You know, that they were able to make a big play, which I think is the critical, right? They only had three three big plays in the whole game. One of them was a 60-yard touchdown. That that was the difference in the game. You know, that was complete difference in the game. They couldn't stop, the, really, the, the Saints from running the football, but they were able to play good enough in the red area. You know, the Saints are one for five in the red zone yesterday. They never were in a goal-to-goal situation. So it really goes back to that. It goes back to how do we handle this? In the red zone, and the Bengals were three for three in the red zone. Plus, they made the explosive play, and, and that that doomed the game. I mean, the Bengals' offense finally got a little bit of rhythm, and, and that that separated. When you look at this team, I mean, the Saints—they were missing so many players. They were missing so many players. It, it's remarkable that they scored as many points as they did. Do you think the Bengals win the AFC North, or do you, would you still favor the Baltimore Ravens? Whew. I, I, I probably would still favor the Ravens uh, if the Ravens are healthy. I mean, the Ravens need to get Bateman back, their big round, their, their number one uh, pick at receiver. I mean, look, the Bengal team is funny. I mean, you know, he gets sacked so much, he gets hit too much. I think Lou Amaromo does a really good job, especially in the second half where he's kind of held off. You know, he held them to six points. Again, a lot of it in the red zone. They played really good red zone defense. I mean, for all I talk about the Bengal defensively, they had ten drives in the game. The Saints they only punted they only punted twice, they only punted twice, and you know they had twenty six plays. The the Saints did in the fourth quarter, twenty six plays. They got six first downs and they had three and they only got three points. So they made timely plays, and so 
I, I think it, it, they have a chance. I think both teams have flaws. It's just going to come down to who can stay healthy. I don't trust this Bengal offensive line. I really don't. Yeah, they continue to struggle, but they got the win nonetheless. The Minnesota Vikings, they've had some oh underlying struggles, but somehow, oh Michael, are 5-1 and one this, after beating the Dolphins 24-16 yesterday. I mean, I, this is two weeks in a row I've given out Miami as a play, and, yeah. and they lose their quarterback. Can we honestly say, now maybe Teddy had a concussion, but Teddy Bridgewater camp is not, a, is not even a backup very good anymore, right? Did you watch that at all? I, I, unfortunately, I watched it. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's shot. I mean, think about this. Minnesota, let me just lay it out for you. Minnesota wins this game. They had 15 drives in the game, 15. They had 13 of three plays or less in the game. And they won. They won. <laughs> think about that. I mean, think about that. Now, they won the game in the fourth quarter. They had 17 plays in the fourth quarter. They scored 14 points. They made an explosive play, 53-yard touchdown, all that. They had, a, they had a couple explosive plays. But for the most part, and they didn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is another game that goes back and forth, you know, and they just they miss a field goal. They have too many penalties. I mean, this is a game where Miami has nobody to blame but themselves. They get 10 penalties in the game. Minnesota doesn't have any They have two penalties for 20 yards. That's it. And – you know, now they lose Skylar Thompson early in the game, and now Teddy comes in. They turn the ball over. You know, two interceptions, a missed field goal, and a fumble. The other team doesn't blow it. I mean, this is a classic example of Minnesota didn't really win the game. Miami lost it, but they did. They they covered. They did it, and Minnesota's five and one. Are you sold on this Minnesota team being a good team because they're stacking wins and they're putting themselves in a really good position to have a clear lead in the NFC North division? Do you think that Minnesota can mold into a good team, or is this going to kind of be what we see the rest of the way? I mean, I don't. I think to me, you know, I don't see how they can sustain this. You know, at some point they're going to play against a good quarterback, and when they play against a good – I mean, they won the game again. The Giants won the game at 3-9 per play. Minnesota won the game at 4-7 per play. I mean, the Giants were 3-8 per play. Excuse me. I mean, think about that. They win this game. Minnesota wins this game at 4-7 per play. They find a way to win. I think it builds confidence. But when they mm. play against a good quarterback, but who is a good quarterback in the North? You yeah. can't say Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback right now. You can't even say that. I mean, even he wouldn't say that. I mean, he, he, he's playing at such a lower level than he's used to. It's remarkable. The Vikings 5-1, and one, and I'm sure Vikings fans will listen to this and be like, whoa, we won the game. Why are you guys down on us? But – I mean, if you're honest with yourself, you watch that game, Minnesota had no business winning that football game, but they won it. Credit to them. They didn't make the mistakes. Miami had the three turnovers. You know, game over. That's a, It's two weeks in a row where I felt like my handicap on Miami was right. It's just the mm-hmm. game was wrong. You know? I mean, and you get 10 penalties. You get 10 penalties. You, you turn the ball over. You miss a field goal. You know, you're 28% on third down. Every situation, you're bad in. Now, is all this going to ha- is all this going to go away when Tua comes back? Here's what I would be concerned is. I mean, every time they put a quarterback out there, the quarterback comes back to the sideline and gets hurt. That's not because the, the lines protected them. I mean, they were sacked three times in this game. I mean, mi- excuse me, Minnesota sacked the quarterback six times, had eight tackle for losses in the game. I mean, if Tua goes back in there, they better make damn sure he don't get hit again. Or else he'll be once if he comes back off again, he's not going to play for the rest of the year, I'll tell you mm-hmm. that. 
Dolphins quarterback, apparently one of the most dangerous jobs in America. Every single every single week it's happening, which is unfortunate. Uh, hopefully they can get it right when Tua comes back. I believe this upcoming Sunday against the Steelers, Tua is expected to start. But, Michael, let's take a break. On the other side, we'll get to the New England Patriots, who looked mighty impressive this Sunday against the Browns. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael, yesterday the New England Patriots demolished the Cleveland Browns 38-15 to over there on the lake. Uh, just how were the Pats able to do this? And we'll get into all the other accolades. And I have a question I want to ask you as well with this game as it pertains to the quarterback position. But what worked so well for New England yesterday? I thought their execution was outstanding. I mean, they dominated the game from start to finish. They, they, they pushed Cleveland around up front. You know, the second play of the game, they the Cleveland runs a bootleg and Jacoby Brissett throws an interception to Duger and they come down, the Patriots come down, convert third down, they the draw the drive stalls. Of course, you know, what does Belichick do? You know, the guy's only won more games than George he tied George Hallis, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yes, tied you him. know, it tied him. But that, what does that matter? These people today, they these these guys in the basement with their analytics and their win probability, they know way more than he could possibly know. He kicks the points, no, you know, makes it a three three nothing game. You know, you know, never even never flinched, never even thought about going for it. You know, kick the points, accumulate points first quarter, uh, and then they go out there, and then the the the, the Browns could never get anything going. They got beat up up front. I mean, literally, this was a game that was. Was about the physicality of of the Cleveland of the the Patriot defense against them, and they they and they were able to dominate. And Bailey Zappi made timely throws. They they ran the ball effectively. They got off the field on third down. You know, of course, your boy Stefanski. He passes up three mm. points again on a fourth down. Tries to sneak it in there. Tries to rush it like he's going to get it. Get stopped. You know, and. And that's and that that was it. You know they couldn't convert third down. They're four for fifteen on third down. Meanwhile, Bailey Zappi just continues to go down the field, makes plays. Had had seven big explosive plays in the game. They got four sacks, tackle for loss. They had, the Patriots had twelve penalties in the game, unlike them. You know, but here's what I would like to discuss today with you, Femi. Mm-hmm. You know, after the draft, you remember we talked after the draft. Yep. 
And we all said how does everybody, the grades came out, of course, from the, all the experts, including <laughs> the ESPN, the, yeah. the worldwide leader experts. They came out. What grade did Baltimore grades get again? Out. C plus. Baltimore got an A plus, actually. <laughs> they got an A plus. C plus. C plus for New England. No mm-hmm. idea. Why would they take Cole Strang there? Why would they take Thornton? You could have gotten him 70 picks later. Bailey Zappi, what are they going to do with him? Horrible draft. Uh, Jack Jones, he could have got him 80 picks later. I read the article this morning. I read the write-up this morning. Horrible draft. I don't know. Belichick's lost his touch. You better get him out of there. He doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. Guy's only tied George Hallis, okay? He's won over 300 games in his career. Meanwhile, you've never been in a draft room before. You've never put a team together before, and you're grading him. That would be like me going to Penn Hospital tomorrow and starting grading neurosurgeons. You know, I don't think you did that right with the scalpel over there. Like, what the fuck? I mean, this is how bizarre this is. Like, they're going to judge this guy, and they don't, they've never even been in the room. The worldwide leader has nobody, nobody who's ever been in a room. Nobody. At least NFL Network puts Pioli up there. But they put him on a hidden camera. He's like, basically, he's on, he's on, on, on Gilligan's Island. He's out here somewhere. You got a remote. He's talking through a coconut. You know, like you got no chance there, right? So you got nobody who's ever been in a room. But we got all these experts. Your boy Dan, you know, Dan O. He knows the draft. He knows the draft. He's, fuck, he's run many drafts before from his basement in Detroit. He knows drafts. Shit. Horrible draft. How could you do this? I mean, like, seriously. Like I said afterwards, like if Belichick thinks Cole Strange is a, is a first-round pick, maybe you should say, instead of saying I know more than him, what does he know that I don't know? Now look mm-hmm. at this draft. Now look at the draft. Look, Thornton, reverse touch. I mean, like they're getting Thornton touchdown pass. And like seriously, they're a good team. They're tough. The quarterback's not making mistakes. You know, people in New England gave me shit because I said Back Jones was playing shitty. Well, they told him to throw 50-50 balls. Okay. Well, Bailey Zappi threw a 50-50 ball, but he gave a chance, the receiver a chance to make the play, and he did. Like, like I don't, this, this to me, Zappi was poised. Did you watch it? He was poised. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, pop, my, Millie looks at me, and she's like, man, that guy's got pocket presence. Like, he was mm-hmm. really good. He's got a better arm than I thought he would have. You know, and look, they're, they're not perfect. They're not by far from perfect, but I mean, they had every opportunity. And, you know, if you're Mac Jones, maybe, you know, instead of bitching about who's calling the place, I haven't heard that at all. Have you heard anybody about the call play calling lately or who's no, running not. the team off? I haven't heard much of that lately. I haven't heard much about who's holding the flashcards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just bizarre. I mean, at some point, you people don't understand, Big Daddy included, how hard it is to win a game in the NFL. Like, it's really hard. That's why when I wrote this mm-hmm. book, with Marty Schottenheimer winning 200 games and you don't want to put him in the Hall of Fame, you really don't know how hard it is to win a game in the NFL. When you could say that's not important, he didn't win a playoff game, you really are clueless. You're so far out of the race, you actually think you're in the lead. I mean, the, guy's, the guy is the greatest coach of all time. He, yeah, I know he's my friend, but there's nobody who could hold a candle to him. Nobody. I mean, Kevin Stefanski was two plays behind him the whole day. And just to your point there, that grade was a C plus for the Patriots draft class. It was the lowest among all thirty-two teams. Would and you like? Would you like to read it? Let me just. Let me just. Let me just take a moment. <laughs> yeah, wanna, let me just take a up? moment and, and, and pull it up. And I and I like to and I like to read just a little bit about yeah, about what they about what they said. You know, I mean, let me just see here if I have it right here. 
Because it's uh, no, it, it's been a really good draft class for them. I mean, like, I'm looking at the first five picks that they made, or the first five of six. I mean, you talked about Cole Strange, who's been starting for them and playing really well. Tyquan Thornton made his debut because he had been hurt in the a training camp portion of the of the season. There scores two touchdowns yesterday. Marcus Jones has been playing about 50% of the snaps. Jack Jones, two interceptions already this season. Then Bailey Zappi, like enough said, like we've been talking about Bailey Zappi as well. It's been a really good draft class where New England might have knocked this one out of the park and proven a lot of the doubters wrong from what they did this past spring. But while you're looking for that, Michael, I want to ask you this question because you talked about Millie was seeing it. We're all seeing it with Bailey Zappi. Is there a QB controversy brewing in New England? Well, I, here's what I would say before I read this to you. Here's what I would say. Whoever's playing the best is going to play. It, 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 remember, it doesn't matter where you pick them. It matters how they play. This kid's playing better than Bacchus. I mean, he is. You could say, well, they're not doing much. on. Okay, they may not be, but he's completing passes. He's completing passes. He's not turning the ball over. I mean, Isaiah Wynn got beat around the corner. Uh, you know, he got beat around the corner, and he turned that ball over, but he's protected the ball. He's made key third down plays. Let's just let's just have a walk down memory park. I just don't think they got value with their first two picks this year. Cole Strange, a nice guard, but he's not a first-round pick on tape. He would likely be on the board in the middle of the second. You know, and then, you know, yeah, I know that, that uh, Thornton's got blazing speed at 4-3-8, at 4-2-8 at the combine, but he needs a lot of work on his overall game, okay? I would have picked Alex Pierce or George Pickett or Sky Moore well over him. I mean, like, okay, what have you coached receivers? What have you installed an offense? I'd like to know that. Like, it's seriously, at some point, and you got a C plus. They're grading it. Uh, so tomorrow I'm going to Penn Hospital. I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to grade the neurosurgeon as he performs an operation, and I'm going to grade him. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, what are you fucking kidding me? What are we doing? Like, we actually give this, and this gives, and this sets the perpetual motion of per- perception. Mm, the narrative, yeah. The na- it sets the narrative, and, and this is complete. Now, do you think the worldwide leader will go back to this and say, yo, wait a minute, maybe I was a little wrong? What are they going to do with Bailey? Here's the line of light. But, you know, I don't understand why they would take Bailey Sappy in the fourth with Mac Jones, and Jack Jones went 70 picks too high. Okay, did anybody, when he intercepted the pass last week, did anybody say, you know, that was nice, but you went 70 picks too high there. That's not good enough, you know? Should have been a fifth round. It goes back to what we said all along in my career. It doesn't matter where you pick them. It matters how they play. And to your credit, to put a bow on what Bill Belichick has accomplished, tying George Hallis for second most wins for a head coach with 324. It's funny and how it's written in the stars, but he has a chance to pass Hallis next Monday night against the Chicago Bears. That like, football is uh, it's funny how that Weird, all kind of uh, works and, uh, out. <laughs> it's just it's it's George Hallis and his thirty one <laughs> ties. He has thirty one career ties, George Hallis. I mean, but George Hallis now, just so we get this he coached forty he was a head coach for forty years. Belichick's mm-hmm. in his twenty eighth season. It's a hell of a now, year. I know hell of a I know when George was coaching, they were only there was only twelve games. Bill's been through fourteen, sixteen, and and now seventeen. So that you know, there is a little bit of that going on too. Yeah, we're going to have to get a trophy named after Belichick or something whenever he decides to hang up the whistle there. Because uh, we know we have the Hallis Trophy, obviously the Lamar no, Hunt Trophy. No, he got a C-plus for his draft. He doesn't know how to draft. He just, uh, he, you know, yeah. and, and he Imagine can't win without – You know, this is this is the one that I love. He can't win without Brady. That Those people that, that always tweet to me, you know, your boy can't win without Brady. Okay, let's just put this in perspective. They, they beat the greatest show on turf. I guess Brady played defense. In the last Super Bowl they won, they held the opponent to three points, and Brady played defense. They yeah. scored 13, but they, he can't win without Brady. 
Imagine if he was good at drafting. Imagine how many wins he'd have then. Uh, let's keep it moving here, Michael. The Atlanta Falcons, the surprise oh. team in the NFC, now 3-3, three and three, double up the 49ers, 28-14 yesterday. The Niners were without many of their defensive linemen, also had some injuries during the game, but we can't take away from what Atlanta did, a pretty dominant victory as an underdog at home. I mean, I think, look, I think Arthur Blank has, or excuse me, Arthur Smith has done a remarkable job. I mean, think about this, fam. Uh, Mariota threw one incomplete pass. He threw one incomplete pass in the game. That's all. They had 53 rushes and completions in the game, right? And I think he only attempted 12 passes. They ran the ball against the 49ers, and the 49ers knew they were going to run the ball because that's mm-hmm. what they were going to do. That's the only chance they had to do it, right? They had eight drives, they got three touchdowns, and they had five punts. They were efficient, effective, and timely. They pick up the one ball on the, uh, on the intercept, on the fumble. They turn it over on the fumble. Killer. The 49ers have two fumbles, two interceptions, you know. And so that's what happens. That's what happens. And so give this guy credit. I mean, look, I don't think Atlanta's very talented. You know, they averaged 5-2 a play, but they did exactly what they had to do. They didn't turn the ball over, didn't play outside of themselves. I think this guy's done a remarkable job coaching this team. I think he's been remarkable. And he doesn't even have his best running back in Patterson. The sky's the limit there for this offense. If they can kind of get the quarterback situation figured out, I know Mariota's been doing a serviceable job, but if he can find a quarterback with that offense and that run game that he's schemed up there, this offense can really take off for Atlanta as long as Arthur Smith is leading the way. The Colts, Michael, our Colts, the podcast Colts, went ahead and improved to 3-2-1, beating the Jaguars 34-27. Matt Ryan turned back the clock, 389 yards, three touchdowns in the win yesterday. Yeah, and, you know, look, the last five drives of the game, last five drives of the game, they scored on every single drive. Of course, your boy Doug, he goes for it on fourth down again. Now, you know, and doesn't get it. Turns down another field goal. No problem. We turn it. We don't like three points. Why would we do that? You know, why would we do that? We don't need that, you know, and, and, and Lawrence only has Lawrence only has two incompletions of the game. They run the ball, but they could never stop. They could never stop the Colts. The Colts, the Colts were incredible. They threw the ball over 50 times in the game, and yet he was he, yet he didn't get sacked, and they only had three tackles for losses. I mean, they, give Frank Wright credit. He he faced the challenge. He heard all the bluebirds. They went out there and they fixed the problems, and they did it. They're 10 for 15 on third down in this game. You know. Five scores in the last five drives. 20 plays in the fourth quarter, nine first downs, and 14 points. That's it right there. Uh, Moving to the Steel City, Michael. Pittsburgh Steelers, surprise, surprise. Mike Tomlin, man, this guy is like the underdog head coach Hall of Famer right now. Once again, Tomlin as an underdog at home, backed against the quarter, somehow gets his team to pull off the win, 20-18, to Bucks fall to three and three, and I tweeted it out on Friday when the injury report came out, Michael, with the Steelers, the secondary banged up. They also had guys in the front banged up, TJ Watt already on IR, and I said if the Bucks offense doesn't score at least four touchdowns against this version of the Pittsburgh Steelers, we might have a problem. Michael, I think it's time to panic in Tampa. Houston, we have a problem. I mean, look, they averaged four or five a play. I mean, they were, they were, they were, they were horrendous. They're one for four in the red zone. They can't run the ball, right? They can't run the ball. And, you know, they've thrown it 50 times another week again. So he's got 15 incompletions. So it's killing him on that. You know, they had too many penalties, to unfortunate penalties. I mean, they let a kickoff return go back to the eight. That hurts them. And once again, Pittsburgh was just timely with their drive. Pittsburgh averages 4-4 a play. 
They had mm-hmm. 10 drives in the game they didn't get a first down in. 10 drives didn't get a first down. And yet they're up at halftime 10 to 9. I mean, look, you can say whatever you want. This this Tampa offense is not is not now maybe they'll come out next week and explode against Carolina, but they're not and, and I'm watching Brady and Brady's not showing like when I watch Matthew Stafford, I don't think Matthew Stafford's body I don't think he's the same guy. Uh, let me just say that to you. I think Matthew Stafford's broken down. I mean, I think you could say all you want about his arm and all that. I think he's taking a beating, and they can't run the ball. But this guy, Brady's still throwing the ball, with what, throwing it well, moving around, makes plays. But when the game was on the line, we talk about timely, right? The game's on the line, fourth quarter. The Steelers have 18 plays. They get six first downs and a touchdown to win the game. Everything good with Brady because we saw like Friday night he went to Robert Kraft's wedding in New York and people put that and they tie it to what happens on Sunday with the offense out of sync here. Are we all good on that front there with this Tampa offense and Tom Brady? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, they don't look good to me. I mean, we could, you know, they haven't looked good all year to be honest with you. You know, and and I think a lot of it is their timing, the trust. Who, who you know, I think he misses Gronk. I think he misses a nickel back, somebody he can throw the ball. He misses a James White kind of back mm-hmm. there, too. You know, he doesn't have an Edelman in the slot. I mean, there's a lot of pieces. He doesn't really, you know, Evans is a good player, but that's not really the guy he wants to throw the ball to. The guy he wants to throw the ball to is the slot and the running back. He wants to control the ball in the middle of the field. Tight end, slot, running back. When you give Brady a tight end, a slot receiver, and a nickel back that can do it, watch out. It's over. But when you're just all perimeter stuff with Brady, that's not what he wants to do. And this team isn't built, really, for what Brady wants to do. Doesn't have a tight end. Cameron Brake got hurt in the game, but still not, not an explosive guy. Brady wants to control the middle of the field. It's no different than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, they keep drafting these outside receivers. They want to make big plays. Lamar Jackson is a middle of the field thrower. He needs a nickel back that can advance a nickel back. He needs a tight end, and he needs a slot receiver. Those are the things. They throw the ball better in the middle of the field. That's part of managing the quarterback. Let's move to the Pacific Northwest here, Michael. The Seahawks, they went ahead and smothered the Cardinals 19-9. Cliff Kingsbury's offense on full display against a Seahawks defense. That's not very good. A lot of people have been making explosive plays against them, and Arizona just could not find any sort of footing yesterday. Can we, can we officially say that Kyler Murray's not worth the money? Can we say, are you ready to go there? I know you're not ready to give up on your boy Justin Fields yet in his 10 completions a game. I know that. I get that. I understand that. Can we really say that that the new heist in the NFL, the Lufthansa heist, went to Brock, Brock Osweiler? It's now Kyler Murray. He's the new heister? I mean, like, seriously, he, did he just not rob the bank? Put, put this in perspective, too. They just gave him $250 million when they didn't have to. They could have watched him this year and said, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't look too good to me. Femi, they averaged 4-4 a play against the worst defense in the history of football. 4-4 a play. <laughs> you know, you're putting me in a tough spot because, you know, I'm not ready to give up on my guy Kyler Murray just yet because the talent is there. But my issue with the Cardinals, and, and work with me here, let me know if I'm wrong or not, but Cliff Kingsbury's offense, I think, is the actual issue with the Arizona Cardinals because it can't oh, blame function. the offense. Sure. Blame the offense. But, 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 sure. Blame it. Well, hear how about, me, hear how me about out. the throw over to Rondell Moore on fourth and four? The Rondell Moore's wide ass open. He's short hopped. And he drops it. He drops it right through his hands. I mean, I'm bitching at him for going for it. He should have kicked the field goal there. He deserves what he, as Belichick would often say, he deserves what he gets. You know, you don't <laughs> kick the point. I mean, he's, he's watching a field goal game and he's turning down a field goal. 
mean, this is how bizarre yeah, it is. He's bad. turning down field goals, and he didn't score a touchdown the whole game. And yet he's thumbing his nose to field goals. Like, like he's, oh, I'm not taking a field goal. Are you kidding me? No way. I'm not, I'm not eating that. I'm going to eat a better club. I'm, I'm going to a five-star restaurant. I'm not eating that shit. You don't, you're not even eating. You didn't get a touchdown. Like, I, 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 you can blame the off. What offense you want to run with them? That, that I'd like to know that. What offense you want to run with them? Well, here's my thing with the offense is that the offense can't function if players are hurt and guys are out. And that's why I think we've seen a lot of the second-half swoons Going back to Texas Tech, this isn't a Cardinals thing for Cliff. This went all the way back to Texas Tech. And what happens in a football season, the longer you go on, the attrition is going to pile up. Guys are going to get injured. You're not going to be healthy in December like you're healthy in September. And the unfortunate thing for the Cardinals this year is that they started the year with Hopkins suspended. They've gotten banged up on the offensive line with Rodney Hudson didn't play. Justin Pugh gets hurt during the game. This is an offense that just does not function unless it has all of its pieces that are healthy. And we're seeing that not be the case for the Cardinals. And now look at that. That's why we're seeing 4.4 yards per play against a horrific defense like Seattle. I mean, but he can't even make a throw. Like, like I'm watching the game. Like, make a play. Like, I, I this offensive line is not any good. I get that. But if you're not going to make a play against this shitty defense, like what do you, when are you going to make one? Like when are you going to mm-hmm. make one? He had 14 incomplete passes against this team. Like it's a joke. He got sacked three. He got sacked six times in the game. He got sacked six times. He's supposed to be Mr. Movement, you know. And, and his body language is still the worst. Like I mean, I'm just telling you, I don't. I got to come up with a name because it's not. He's not the Latanza heist because we've already given that one away. But this guy's a bank robber. I mean, he's just robbed the bank. I mean, you just gave this guy all. And, and here's the thing. You say, well, he should be running Philadelphia's offense. How long do you think he'd last running Philly's offense? No, they can't do that with him. No. He'd get the shit kicked out of him. He'd be hurt. No, they, they can't do that. But yeah, this, yeah, the offense is bad. And Kyler has been bad as well. Like, he's not played to his standard. But I think that this is a systemic issue. There's no issue. standard. He, <laughs> there's no standard. He doesn't have one. He's not been an elite player. Like, we keep putting him as an elite blue-chip player. Just because they gave him all this money doesn't make him elite. He's a little guy playing quarterback who's fast as hell. And when you let him run around and go from one side to the other side, but he's but once people start defending him, but of course this this the entourage brass there in Arizona, you know, why would we wait two more years to see if he's any good? Let's just give him $250 million. Thank you very much. Like, how do they keep their jobs? Like, how do you keep your job? The Cardinals are turning into Medellin <laughs> and, and what we're seeing with the, the flop there for the an entourage. Uh, Eric Burkhardt is a shout out to Ari Gold. It gets everybody paid out there in the desert. Michael, real quick here. Rams cruising past the Panthers 24 to 10. What the hell was going on with Robbie Anderson on the sidelines? Do you think that he ends up being uh, in another uniform like tomorrow? Well, I think he's going to be in another uniform maybe by the end of business today. If he can, if they can give him away to somebody, if somebody will take him. You know, Robbie's mm. always been a, a, ver- a really good outside vertical receiver. He's always had a little bit of, you know, he's been a little bit of a moody guy. If he takes his medication, okay. If he doesn't, not so good. But, you know, to me, this thing's been festering. We said last week, you know, all this Christian McCaffrey talk, like if you trade McCaffrey, unless you're getting two number ones, which I can't imagine anybody would give them to you, like, are you really like? Say Buffalo says we'll give you our one for McCaffrey. Their one's going to be thirty-one. It's going to be twenty-nine, twenty-eight. Do you re- is that really worth it? Is that really worth it? Right? Yeah. Like, I love how they put it out there Sunday morning. Well, they'll entertain offers. Well, what offer could they entertain? That's not like two number. Who's trading two number ones for him right now? Nobody. Like, like if say a team like okay, pick a team. I don't know. 
the, the, the guy on – I don't know who was doing the game. Millie maybe turned the volume on. But they tell all oh, the – you know, maybe the Rams will trade for him. No. Uh, the Rams, A, they have no draft picks. They have no money. They can't even give Odell Beckham a fair uh, – they have no money. Like, these people just throw shit out there like it like – No. Who's trading two number? Would he be great in Tampa? Of course he'd be great in Tampa. Would Tampa trade two number ones? If they do, they're crazy because their quarterback's 45 years old and they don't have a quarterback when he leaves. Well, for the record, if Buffalo were to trade for him, our producer Stephen Bond in my ear said it would be pick 32. It wouldn't be pick 31. That's <laughs> what Stephen Bond said. Let's take our final break here, Michael, and we'll talk Monday Night Football, hand out some awards, and also the news coming out of Houston. All right, Michael, before we get to Monday Night Football and the awards, let's talk about the news that we saw out of Houston this morning. The Texans, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, parting ways with their executive vice president of football operations, Jack Easterby. He had been in the organization since 2019. But what's your read on the situation? And they did this during the bye week, so maybe that's a little bit of self-evaluation from the general manager, Nick Casario, and that group out there in Houston. Well, I mean, look, Jack... Jack went down there with with Billy O, right? I know Jack really well. I like Jack. Jack was a, a team spiritual leader. He got involved in a lot of things in the football area down in Houston. And, and and really, as sometimes what happens, it happened to me. You get you piss people off when you make decisions, and all of a sudden, that's not a good thing. And I mean, I can identify with it because I've gone through it in my career as well. And so you know, he goes down there, and he's the reason they bring Nick in. I mean, he's the whole reason Nick mm-hmm. goes down there because he hires Nick basically. And, you know, and Nick can focus on doing the football stuff and this, and Jack was going to focus on everything else. I, this, this is after f- almost 40 years in the NFL. Here's what I've learned, that the owners talk about loyalty, but they don't have any reason to be loyal to anybody. When the dinner conversation gets uncomfortable about people in the organization, you're going to get fired. You're going to go. And I'm sure Kit, Kit with the McNair family, I'm sure – that Jack was a lightning rod in the Houston media. He's a lightning rod in conversations. The team's not winning. And so for all the conversation, we're going to defend them, and we're going to, I'm loyal to them. That loyalty when you're an owner, you don't have to be loyal. The only loyalty you have is to yourself. And when we enter this profession, we know that. We accept that. We think, it's, we think the owners are going to be loyal with you. No, they're only loyal to the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. And that's what their right is. They have every right to be that way. And, I, and you understand it. You have to perform. And I, I mean, I'm I'm surprised because if Nick is in charge, as everybody says in his contract, he had to give this okay, or else the owner told him, "I'm doing this." Well, well, we'll see how this unfolds uh, going forward with the Houston Texans. They will be here in Las Vegas this Sunday, taking on the Raiders. Both teams coming off of the bye. Michael, let's get to the awards yeah. here, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll hand out some hardware to some of our favorites. Oh man, on, who on do you want to put on? Who do you want to put on the lamb? I mean, you don't want to put Kyler Murray on the lamb, <laughs> no, even you, though that you, son of a yeah. bitch is way on the lamb. You, you, you want to put on Kevin Stefanski on the lamb? Go I mean, put him on the lamb. He can't wait to go for it on fourth down. He's probably working on his fourth down sheet next week when he goes into uh, where's he going to Baltimore? I bet he works on his fourth down sheet. Let me go for it again. You know the amazing thing about this thing is is nobody in the once if Stefanski gets fired, nobody in the analytical community is going to go. You know, nobody's going to say he did the right thing. My, At the end of the day, you got to win. You do have. I'm to putting win. the I'm putting the Cardinals, the entire team, on the lamp. I mean, it's embarrassing they gave that contract out with two years to go. It's embarrassing they couldn't. They averaged four point four yards per play against the worst defense in football. Credit to Seattle. I mean, you know, Pete Carroll's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Don't. 
Just trust me on that. He's yeah. a Hall of Fame coach based on what he's accomplished, and people make fun of him all the time. But give him credit. The guy fights. He's he keeps going through it. He keeps doing what he has to do, and you know he's winning games against a team that actually he's not better than, but he won. If I were to hand out an award for on the lamb, I think I'd give it to John Harbaugh, Michael. I think uh, I'd, I mean, I think I'd give it to Harbaugh. Based on what I we've mean, seen with these second half leads it, being blown, I, I mean the two games that are inexcusable <clears throat> for a team to lose: Baltimore, Miami. Mm-hmm. Those, those box scores are inexcusable to lose those games. The, yeah. the, now the stars off Mike McDaniel now too, just so we know. Because remember, Mike McDaniel was supposed to be the guru of running the football. They can't run the ball in Miami. Yeah. The Fred Palermo best game plan of the week. Who does that go to? You got to give it to your boy Tomlin. Every time I doubt Tomlin, he pulls me back in. <clears throat> Every time I doubt him, he pulls me back. The guy's tremendous, right? Yeah. I mean, give this guy another Hall of Fame coach. Yep. I mean, to hold the, the – I mean, with three bad – with three guys in the back end, he's an eight-point dog. It goes to 10 on Sunday morning, right? It goes to <laughs> wow. 10 on Sunday morning. I mean, everybody in the sports book at the Brigada, you, you know, the Bucks are going to walk all over him. Yeah. Mike Tomlin, he gets the troops riled up. If you don't know, now you know. I have two Smiths here that I'd like to give it to. Uh, uh, if you don't know, uh, now you know. I, I think Arthur Smith is a hell of a coach. I think he's done mm-hmm. a great job of running that offense and really finding a way to win the games, and I think he's been tremendous. I thought he was good as a Tennessee offense coordinator. I wasn't sure of him as a head coach last year. I think he's done a great job because I don't think his team's very good, but he found a way to get the quarterback to play well, and he's found a way to run the football against people with, without his best back. I give it him, and Geno Smith is for real. I thought Geno Smith, even though it wasn't a perfect day for him yesterday, I thought he was great. His accuracy, mm-hmm. his movement in the pocket is yes. outstanding. I mean, he's really, hey, Geno Smith has come of age. He's found himself in act two of his life. It's been really good. Yeah, it's a really good story. He's in the mix for a comeback player of the year. Saquon Barkley being the favorite, but right behind him is Geno Smith. The David Ogilvy Award, Michael, the biggest frauds this week. Oh, I think I think the Lafleur led Packers are the frauds. I mean, they're frauds. I mean, you know, they got to go into Washington this week, and there'll be more Packer fans there. There'll be Washington fans, but that Washington front's going to give them some trouble, and they can't separate from anybody. You know, they they had a hard time beating Washington last year. Remember that game? Yeah. And Taylor Heineke's going to play quarterback for Washington. I I just think they're they're not as good. See what happens is, as John Madden once said, the quarterbacks a deodorant for for all the problems on your team. And now that Rodgers can't be that deodorant, they're starting to smell in Green Bay. Just ask Big Daddy. <laughs> Big Daddy's fired up about his team. All right, Michael, Monday Night Football tonight. And oh, this is going to be a fun one. The Denver Broncos taking on the Los Angeles Chargers over to our show sponsor, the Chargers four-point favorites, total 46. We get not only Hackett, we get Staley in prime time. Oh, Man, this is going to be good. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. I'll be, oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, man. <laughs> I, I say this. If Russell Wilson, now I know they won't say it on the air, mm-hmm. but if he don't play good tonight against another national television off the audience, when is somebody going to come out and say that might have been the worst contract other than Kyler Murray's offseason contract, right? Right. I mean, when's somebody <laughs> going to say that? Like To me, I got to feel like I, I, I like the Broncos to take the four and a half. I gave mm-hmm. it out as one of my plays. I have this as a two-point, two-and-a-half-point game in my, in my power rankings. Yeah. I'll take the Broncos and the points. I don't, I don't trust the Chargers. I think the Chargers are not as good as everybody thinks they are on defense. I don't think they're well-coached on defense. I'll put that out there. 
And I think Denver's pretty good on, on defense. I think they can keep them in the game. But to me, this is really going to be on, on next Thursday. We're either going to say, Russell, nah, you know, that's it for Russ. Or, hey, maybe he's starting to get into the groove. I like Denver tonight. Yes, it's my man. You're putting Russell Wilson into the into the ski mask category of taking money at. Hey, I, he I, deserved I need him to the play money. Well. He need, deserves yes. the money for what he did in his career. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not disputing that. But you're the guy who's got to. Pay, you pay for the future. You don't pay for the fast. God damn it! I need him to play well tonight. Otherwise, the the, tw- the tweet machine might be getting after me, Michael. Uh, as of note, Keenan Allen is doubtful for tonight's game. Corey Lindsley, the center for the Chargers, also listed as questionable with an illness that he's dealing with. Justin Simmons should be back tonight for the Broncos. He'll just be, activated. That, that's a, bi- that's a big IR. get for them. That's huge. Yeah. And I think to me, this Bronco front now they don't have they don't have Randy Gregory, mm-hmm. but this Bronco front could give some problems to. And if they can't run the ball, they ran the ball against Cleveland. That really helps. Everybody thinks it's got to be Herbert's got to carry them. No, no, no. Without without Keenan Allen out there, you can double Mike Williams, and if then they got to run the ball. How are they going to do that? I think it sets up for Denver tonight. We'll see. We will see. It should be a lot of fun. But, Michael, that does it for the podcast. A lot of fun today, recapping everything from week six. Thank you to DraftKings and VEASAN as, VEASAN as always, I should say. And thank you to all of the loyal listeners and viewers. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, thank you to him as always on the ones and twos. Michael, and I'll talk to you on Thursday to preview thank week you, number seven. Thank you, Stephen Bond.